Welcome to the Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. My name is Dr. Adriana Popescu. I'm a licensed clinical psychologist and leader in the field of mental health, energy psychology, addiction, trauma, and empowerment. In this podcast, we will be exploring mental health from a variety of perspectives, from the spiritual to the shamanic and beyond. What if mental illness isn't everything we think it is? What if everything we see as a pathology is actually a possibility? What else is possible with mental health? Hi everyone, Dr. Adriana Popescu here with you today with another episode of Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. I'm really excited today to have with me my good friend and colleague, Michelle Watkins. Michelle is an intuitive healer and the founder of Urban Sanctuary based in Los Angeles, California. Michelle's work spans the globe. She's a certified hypnotherapist. In fact, I think we did our hypnotherapy training together many years ago. <laughs> a long time ago. <laughs> Reiki master teacher, meditation instructor, and intuitive reader guiding her clients on their path to wellness through intuitive discovery and energetic therapies. Her clients find insight, empowerment, and the ability to shift long-held patterns of disharmony toward health and happiness. She works with individuals, leads group meditations and healings, and teaches courses in meditation, consciousness, and Reiki. Welcome, Michelle. Hi, thanks for having me. I'm happy to be here. This is fun. Yes, I'm so happy to have you. Yeah. Um, yeah. And you know, you and I know each other very well. We actually went to graduate school together for a period of time. Yeah. <laughs> so it's been many, many years. Many um, years, yes. And our paths have really, our lives, our paths have evolved in so many interesting ways. Um, I love to always ask my clients first to tell them, tell us a little bit about your journey. Like, how did you get to where you are now doing this type of work? What drew you to it? Yeah. Tell us more. All right. <laughs> well, I think, I mean, we can start at the very, very beginning when I was a kid and I would have these um, intuitive, or I would say now intuitive, uh, back then I didn't know what they were, even through my teens and into my 20s, the, my sensitivity and um, empathic nature um, actually made it a little bit challenging, a little bit might be an understatement, um, growing up and being in a world that seemingly was very separate. And when I'm noticing and feeling and sensing things from, I don't even know where, but I'm getting it from the, my external world. So long story short, I always sort of had a sense of knowing that there was more to life than meets the eye. And so that kind of drew me into psychology um, where we met going into transpersonal psychology as opposed to sort of the more clinical traditional uh, psychology. Um, knowing that there was more, again, to, to us than sort of the traditional way of looking at human nature. Um, I thought that there was more about the spiritual nature that wasn't being included in a lot of the traditional psychological methods and viewpoints. So that's what drew me to transpersonal psychology. And then once I was there, I opened up a floodgate <laughs> of ways and modalities and learning um, that has been really fun to dive down into and out. Um, so then I started um, learning about how in the in hypnotherapy, how powerful our thoughts are and how our thought patterns um, really 
can create our behaviors and physical ailments and all sorts of things, psychological, emotional ailments that we are experiencing just from simple thought patterns that we have being, you know, held in our own minds. So that kind of took me down the hypnotherapy path. And then once I was in that, I started learning about Reiki and energetic therapy um, because I could see that the thoughts, our thoughts were creating this energy pattern in our being. And so I started learning how to work with the energy patterns of um, through Reiki, through hands-on energy healing and how to release those patterns. You know, in hypnotherapy, we do it, you know, in a traditional hypnotherapy way where we take the client into a trance and we work with their subconscious mind that way. With Reiki, it's more of an energetic process where we do, I work with, um, with energy and releasing because everything is of an energetic nature. Um, we can release patterns and blockages and things like that on an energetic level. So that led me into hypnotherapy and Reiki, which I practiced for more than 20 years now. Um, and then you know, keep going. This, this world is like <laughs> infinite. You can keep going forever. Yeah. So then I really started diving into consciousness, um, because I was into this realm of energy and, um, that brought me into learning how to teach meditation and mantra meditation, um, and diving into the nature of consciousness and what it is to be human and what it is to be conscious and alive and to be having this experience. Um, so then now I, after many years of practicing energy work and studying consciousness, um, I've really been diving into developing my intuitive abilities. Um, so alternative ways of knowing. Mm -hmm. um, so that's kind of a timeline. <laughs> Does that answer your question? Did I answer your question? Yeah, and it, and it breeds a ton more questions I wanna ask you. Um, <laughs> How have, how has your journey, I mean, especially I think your journey with spirituality and consciousness, like what impact have you seen it having on your life, like your day-to-day -day life? I'm, it's immeasurable, honestly. Um, knowing that, and it's more than just cognitively or consciously understanding that there is more to what meets the eye. Um, it's a sense, it's a feeling, it's a very deep knowing that there that I and everyone and everything that I see in the world around us is a part of something that is, um, you could say divine intelligence. You know, some people call it source. I call it source. Um, people call it universe, God, goddess, you know, that universal consciousness or, um, of creation basically mm -hmm. and of knowing. And so once I had, on a soul level understanding of that, because I always kind of un, kind of knew it in my mind, which is why I was drawn into the path anyway, to begin with. But this was a deep embodiment of it, I would say, of an understanding that everything is consciousness, everything is connected. Everything in my life is about consciousness and being connected to that divinity and that spiritual nature. Um, it's profound. It, it's, it literally, um, I would say, uh, basically <laughs> slingshotted me into my actual, like very specific purpose um, in this world. And so it, I got really clear about relationships, about myself was huge, my relationship with myself. Um, 
my mental health, you know, when I was in my 20s and teens, I had anxiety. I had a lot of anxiety and especially social anxiety because I was an empath. And so I was taking on other people's stuff and all the energy around me and not being able, not knowing and not understanding that that's what was happening. I just internalized it all and made it all about me. Um, so not, you know, realizing that and then also realizing on a very deep uh, level that it we're all connected and it's all energy and it's all consciousness and it's all divine. Um, it has a very profound clarifying effect. Yeah. Yeah. So cl yeah. Clarity and knowing I want to go into that a little bit because I think right now in this time, you know, this last couple of years, the world has been tilted on its axis. As uh, <laughs> my friend said earlier this morning, yeah. um, you know, we're in a profound, uh, humanity is in a profound revolutionary consciousness shifting time. I think everybody's feeling the effects of it. This pandemic has really brought that out. Um, and I, and I, I see a lot of people really confused and lost and seeking, which to me mm -hmm. is sort of the spiritual, maybe even the dark night of the soul idea, right? Which I don't even know if our audience actually knows about. Maybe, can you talk with us a little bit about that whole journey through that confusion and darkness and to like the place you've gotten to, which is clarity and knowing? Yeah, I can try. <laughs> um, basically, you know, so much of our world, the way we grow up um, is externally referenced, right? We get external reference, we get validation, we're taught through social media, through the, you know, news, through television shows, you know, when we were growing up, it was all about what we saw on TV, or heard in the news, you know, it was all about externally referencing how we look and or feel um, according to the outside world instead of what how we're feeling and what we know to be true for us on the inside. So the dark night of the soul, I think personally is, is a bit of a crisis. It, it can manifest as a, as a personal crisis where that feeling of being lost, that feeling of not knowing yourself, of not seeing possibly a way out of an issue that might be happening for you, whether it's a relationship issue or a personal issue or financial issue, you know, it can manifest in different ways for different people. But it's sort of this moment of deep crisis where many people don't know or don't see a way out of the whole, the crisis. Yeah, um, it's a complete loss of anything, any stability, any knowing, any security, right? It's all gone. Nothing. They have nothing left to hold on to outside of themselves, right? Because that's what we're taught to do. We're taught to hold on to how much money we make as our financial security, the relationships we have as our relationship security, right? It's all externally referenced. And so you go through that moment of, and it can be more than a moment, <laughs> it can feel like it lasts forever, right? Through this dark night of the soul where you lose, you, you realize that all of those external things that have been feeding you for so long are gone. They're not there anymore. And you're completely devastated and lost and, you know, and confused. And so in that moment, there is typically an awakening of, the knowing that, oh, there's something 
inside of me. There's a knowing inside of me. There's a connection that I know is there. And it can dawn on people in many different ways, again, through whatever way it manifests for them. But it's an awakening to the realization that there's more to it than, again, than what meets the eye, than, than the material world that we live in. Yeah. Um, so it typically starts a journey of self-discovery, self-awareness, um, self-knowing through any path that sort of speaks to that person. There's as many paths as there are people <laughs> on the planet to find that, right? To find that self-awareness and that self-journeying internally into our deepest natures where we find that we are all connected. There is just this one consciousness, one energy that is creating and manifesting throughout our lives. So in many ways, in a sense, you know, you're providing that kind of spiritual guidance, support, development um, for people and helping them to, with these different practices you do, helping them connect with their own intuition and their own knowing, right? Absolutely. Yep. So much of traditional psychology is about, I'm going to the expert, the doctor, the therapist, right. Right? and they're going to totally. tell me what's wrong with me. They're going to give me a diagnosis. They're going to put a mm -hmm. label on me and maybe they're going to give me some medication and they're going to tell me this is what you need to do to, you know, be happy. And right. I see so many people coming to me like, okay, I tried all that. And then I would walk out of the therapist's office feeling worse than I did when I went in. Right. Totally. <laughs> Again, because it's that external reference, right? We're having somebody else tell us what's wrong with us or what we need to do to get better or to be happier or whatever that is. And when honestly, who knows us better than ourselves, right? <laughs> with all of that internal, it, it takes sometimes a lot of um, releasing a lot of letting go of ideas and concepts and things that we might have around ourselves. But once we kind of let go of all of the, that stuff, we find the truth when our, within ourselves. And that's, that's where the real, I think, answers and the real sort of self-awareness starts to begin to bloom. Yeah. yeah. So that brings me to really to meditation. Um, mm -hmm. I mean, when I think back on even when graduate school, you know, and so many of our classes just started with meditation. I, I think a lot of people in the in the public have a real confusion around what meditation is and what is the purpose of it. Like I'll have clients tell me, well, I, I suck at meditation because you're supposed to quiet your mind and, and I can never do that. Can right. you speak to that and, and sure. give us your kind of definition or explanation of what meditation is mm -hmm. and how we can do it? <laughs> yes. <laughs> yes. First of all, everyone let go of the idea that you're supposed to quiet your mind because the mind will never stop. <laughs> That's the mind's job, right? The mind is just doing its job. It's just thinking, 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 thinking. Um, so allow that to just pass through your awareness as you're sitting and starting to quiet your being more than your thoughts or your mind. Um, so basically, the process of meditation is to, kind of what I was saying before, it's to allow yourself, your being, to tap into that state of consciousness where you are in that oneness, where you are in connected to that universal consciousness. When we're throughout our daily lives, you know, 
conversation, doing chores, whatever it is, you know, throughout our daily lives, we're, we're caught up in the external, we're caught up in what we have to do and the mind is going and we're caught up in that. And some, most of us all the time are sort of out of that connected state, you know, we're, we're kind of out, we're out of that. So the point of meditation is to allow yourself to be in that state, have a sense of that state. And as you, it begins, it can begin as a very, like a small moment where you get into that state and you're like, oh, there it is. <laughs> and as soon as you're thinking, oh, there it is, you're out of it again, right? So it's like, you're dipping into that state, the pool of consciousness, and then it's a constant back and forth, back and forth, up and down, right? And you're in that state and then you're up and out of that state. So the point of meditation, it's a practice. It's never a perfection. It's a constant practice. And the practice is to dip into that state of consciousness, that universal consciousness more and more frequently so that it begins to become more of almost like a habit or second nature for you while you are out and about doing your normal daily life. So um, and it allows you when you are practicing and when you are sort of tapping into that universal consciousness um, or source, you know, it, you bring, every time you go in, you bring a little bit out with you. So it, it does, it trickles, it has like a trickle effect throughout your life. The more you practice, the more you'll see it in your daily life, the effects of it. Yeah. As you're talking, you know, the, the things that come to my mind is the idea of like plugging ourselves back into source and mm -hmm. staying plugged in, like the more mm -hmm. we practice this, the more easy it is for us to stay plugged in and we're less likely to get caught up in all the mental yes. and often emotional, the ego mm -hmm. stuff, right? Mm -hmm. of, of, of this reality, embodied reality, mm -hmm. you know, we're living mm -hmm. in um, and recognizing that we're greater than that. So, so when I think of meditation and sometimes people get more wisdom, more knowing, which is different than thinking, right? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. And when you're in that state, uh, when you've, when you've sort of let go of a lot of the daily stuff and you find yourself tapping into that sort of universal consciousness, that's where, um, creativity comes. You have creative out of the box ideas, you know, inspiration comes, you have actual physical healing comes because your body is in a state of relaxation where it triggers that autonomic, you know, nervous response where it starts to heal itself. You know, you you let go of emotional patterns and behaviors that may not be serving you, and it's it happens naturally, almost like a side effect of just practicing this one technique that um, has really very profound effects or can. Yeah. Speaking of techniques, there are also many, many different meditation techniques themselves, right? We've heard of mindfulness meditation. Some yep. people know transcendental meditation, right? Yep. And yep. then they all have you know, they typically come from Eastern uh, traditions. So then they have like Vipassana, you know, they even have like Indian names and all that. Right. right. What, what types of meditation are you primarily practicing and how can someone, you know, who like is brand new to this, even kind of sort out them, like, where do I go? What, what do I do? How do I even get started with started. meditation? Right. Yeah. Yeah. It, it can be a big, <laughs> seemingly scary world because it's a lot of unknown. Right. Right. 
Um, I teach a mantra based meditation and I think that mantra based meditations, any of them, TM or the primordial sound that I do or any mantra that you use and the, the mantras that are of a different language are even better because we don't have a conscious awareness of what the meaning is of the word, but the mantra, it actually literally means tool for the mind. So as you, it gives you something to focus on. So that's mindfulness this can be challenging for beginners because it is it's like how am I supposed to like clear my mind when my mind is racing a million miles a minute um, it's challenging that's very hard so the mantra actually is a great tool for beginners because you know you'll 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 sit you start practicing repeating your mantra um, again if it has a of a different language like Sanskrit um, or something that has no meaning a sound even um, you know, you have no association with it. So your mind doesn't get hooked up into the meaning of it and you don't go down that path, right? The mind path, it's you're allowing the mind to just literally have a job to do, which is repeating the mantra. Mm -hmm. And then as your mind is busy repeating the mantra, the rest of your being begins to sink into that state of consciousness. Mm -hmm. And then you'll find, you know, for whatever reason, you'll lose the mantra for a while. Sometimes, it's because you're in such a deep state of that universal consciousness that there's just nothing. You're in that state of nothingness. Sometimes it's, oh, you've gotten caught up in another thought and you've gone down that thought of what do I need to do for dinner tonight? And you know, that kind of thing. <laughs> so as soon as you realize that you've gone away from the mantra, you just bring your awareness back to the repetition of the mantra. So it's actually a really easy- <laughs> yeah, I have to keep moving and following me. <laughs> The light is following you. Um, it's actually a really easy technique to, especially for beginners to just start because it, it's just a, it's a tool. It's a tool for the mind. And that's the thing that everybody gets caught up on. I, I love that description and, and how easy you make it sound because you're right. Like you're essentially, it's tricking the mind, right? You're just distracting the mind, like your mind. It's like the mind's a computer. Why don't you work on this project totally. thing while the real magic is happening? Exactly. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. And, you know, they've done studies now. I mean, you know, science is so interesting because they can measure brain waves and yeah. they can even like look at our brains under MRIs and they see profound differences in people's brains yeah. in the brain waves. We know that they slow down, right? There's more coherence. Yeah. between like the different parts of the brain, meaning they work better together. Meditation has been shown, even short periods of meditation have been shown to have profound impacts on our bodies, um, our emotional well-being. I mean, it's, you know, body, mind, spirit, all of it, like right. yeah. really amazing effect. What have you seen with some of your clients? I'm curious. Um, similar to what um, my personal experience is with this particular mantra meditation that I've taught, people love it. Honestly, the first time they learn it, they're like, Oh my God, I've been trying to meditate for 20 years and I've never been able to get a consistent practice. But with this mantra meditation, I can sit and I can do it for five, 10, 15, 20 minutes. And it's easy. It's easy to incorporate. First of all, it's easy to incorporate into our life, which is what we want, right? We want some, a practice or a tool that's easy to use that we can, we actually do use, right? because we want all those goody, good benefits. Um, the other biggest piece is, I think, again, it, similar to my own experience, it's people finding 
sort of their own inner truth, their own inner wisdom, and sort of allowing because the path is constantly shifting and moving and not always clear. The you know the the constant practice of the meditation keeps them sort of on their truth path, on their true path, on their on their journey, and they're finding I think a lot of especially in the last couple of years, the people that I've taught that have been practicing it over the last couple of years have found that, you know, this, there's more peace and less worry in their daily lives. I mean, I think that's kind of the bottom line. They're just, they're just, it's just easier. Life feels a little bit easier than it might have before. Yeah. I love that. Um, talk to us a little bit about the difference between individual versus group work, because you do a lot of, uh, of your practices in groups. What would be the benefit, for, again, for somebody maybe who doesn't know as much about this stuff, what would be the benefit of doing this in a group? What do you see as that? Well, for one, there's a lot of other people and a lot of people that may not have practiced very much at all. So there may be other beginners that they can relate to and learn from. Um, and then, of course, there are more there'll be more practiced people at it that they can also learn from. You know, everybody has different ways of doing it in a way they have different insights and different techniques like, oh, you know, I tried to do it first thing in the morning and it didn't work. So they get different ways and different ideas of how it might work for them just in a group setting, knowing, um, you know, referring to other people. But um, there's also tons of research on the, uh, <laughs> the power of doing things in groups, especially meditation or energy, any type of energy work. So the it's multiplied and exponentially the effect of the meditation. So if you say you do it in your home, and you feel okay, you feel a little bit more relaxed, maybe not a lot, but you know, maybe it was a little bit more of a challenging meditation. You got caught up in a lot of thoughts. And so it was a little bit more challenging. When you're doing it in a group, the, um, the ease with which you feel or sense or know that relaxation and that connection into that deeper state of consciousness is like tenfold you just, you sense it more, it's more powerful, you're, you end up feeling more relaxed at the end of it. Um, you know, it's that, that group effect that research, there's tons of research about meditating in groups and the profound effect of the exponential, almost like wavelengths of energy that it sends out of peace and relaxation. Yeah. I mean, you know, they can, they get measurable effects with uh, when they get a bunch of people meditating or doing prayer or whatever, all at the same time, there's tons yeah. of really fascinating stuff about, about yeah. that. Um, yeah. And it's funny, you know, I was thinking, you know, when I first, as an empath, highly sensitive person, also, when mm -hmm. I think about doing things in groups, sometimes I'm like, Ooh, Oh God, yeah. I'm going to be aware of like everyone else's stuff. And Ugh, I don't want to feel all that, but, but actually in listening to you talk, I'm realizing it's kind of the other way around, especially when you have those more advanced people, because they're able to, to attain those more peaceful, uh, I think slower brain waves, right? Like they're able to get to that space pretty easily. And if we're an empath, we're actually going to feed off of that. Exactly. It's going to help us. Yes. We might be more anxious and having a harder time to calm down. So it's kind of using that empath thing, you know, to our advantage. Exactly. <laughs> exactly. That's cool. Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask you a little bit about the Reiki uh, mm -hmm. part of what you do. 
for people who, I mean, a lot of people have heard of it, but don't really know what it is. Can you just give us a little bit of background about what Reiki is, what it can do, how it's done, all that? Um, Reiki is universal source energy. (laughs) So similar to what we've been talking about, what a lot of what I do are just different ways of accessing the same thing. So meditation is one technique or tool to access deep inner knowing and a deep inner connection and peace, right? That universal state of consciousness or that universal source energy. Reiki is another way or another technique of accessing that universal consciousness or energy. Um, And so Reiki is a hands-on or just slightly above the body technique where um, the practitioner begins to, mm, it's not a channeling practice, it's more of um, embodying the Reiki energy. So that universal energy, everything is energy, right? Everything has a natural energetic frequency, us, the plants, the earth, the universe, everything. And actually everything is naturally spiraling and and vibrating at a certain frequency that is all the same of the same resonance or frequency. So what Reiki does is it, as the practitioner, you embody that natural frequency of universal energy. And through your embodiment of that energy, if you're practicing on yourself, obviously you're, you know, you're giving yourself that, uh, that energy or connecting in with that sort of state of energy. Um, If you're working with somebody else, you're allowing that person to experience that state of energy as well. So it's triggering again, like meditation, just as different technique, it's triggering your body's natural healing response. You, you're, you go into a relaxed state. And so your body naturally starts to begin to heal and repair and revitalize. Um, it also can, so that's physical, that's how it works on a physical level. It can, because everything is energetic and we are energetic beings in the physical body, um, we hold a lot of our emotional, mental, behavioral patterns energetically as well. And so what Reiki can do is as you sort of allow your body and spirit to be in that energy, it begins to, the way I see it is that like our, our issues are kind of tied up in knots, energetic knots. And so what the, what I, how I see it is Reiki sort of goes in and it very gently, it's what I love about Reiki is it's so gentle. Um, it gently starts to unwind and unknot those issues and those blockages that we might have, whether it's emotional, physical, mental, um, it works on all levels. So basically through you, what I love about Reiki is that it's the main tenant of it is about self-care and giving Reiki to yourself. Um, so you, you're empowered to do that for yourself instead of like we were talking about going to the doctor and figuring out what I, what medicine I need to take. Instead, it's embodying and allowing yourself to give to yourself that universal energy that is healing just on a basic, very basic level. Mm -hmm. Um, So again, similar, (laughs) similar thing, just a slightly different way of getting there. Yeah. Yeah. And when you, and when you do a Reiki session, you know, whether on an individual, let's say more like an individual, are you targeting like, 
like, will people come and say, I want to work on my anxiety or I want to work on this issue or that issue or this money block I have or something. And like, are you sort of intending to work on that issue or is it more general and just unwinding those knots of energy that are going to let the person heal in that area? Right. Yeah. It's typically done in a more general way because the consciousness of Reiki is that universal all-knowing consciousness. Um, It has more knowing than my mind does. And so the main practice is to just allow the Reiki to be and to do its work. It's an intelligent energy. It goes where it needs to go. Um, At times during a session, I will move to certain areas that Um, are needing more attention. And so it's a little bit of both. It's mostly just allowing the universal energy to do its work um, and a little bit of mm, not guidance, but assistance from me as a practitioner on a certain area or a certain spot. Yeah. I love that because um, so much of the time we are in traditional psychology, of course, is like very much in the head trying to diagnose these are the symptoms and then these are the strategies we're going to use to heal them. And so much of the time, you know, and I know you get this too, you have clients come who have no idea what they know they have some issue, but they have no idea where it's coming from. They don't know how to change it. They don't even know that their mind is so twisted and they have all these distorted ways of seeing things. They they don't have that um, insight, right? right? And so they don't know how to change something. But if we knew that there was this universal um, life force energy that we Mm -hmm. can all tap into Mm -hmm. that restores us to what I would, I guess what I would say is our natural state of being, right? Like, the oneness, the, I, I like to say we're infinite beings, you know, we are. <laughs> help us to connect with that. Yeah. Um, and then we can trust that whatever um, needs to happen will happen. I think a lot of forms of energy work are doing that. Yep. Yeah. And I, and I love that. It's so much easier too, for us as the practitioner, right? I don't have to sit there totally. and figure out what does this person need? I could just put yeah. my hands on them and just trust that whatever's coming through is what they, they and their body require, right? right? Exactly. Yeah, it's beautiful. It's really, it's actually a practice that's full of grace. Like if you, the traditional idea of grace where it's almost like this universal life force energy is just coming through and just through grace is allowing you to release uh, things that aren't serving you anymore, whatever they be. Yeah. And hands on the laying on of hands, I mean, has been part of, you know, uh, traditional cultures, thousands of years, like tens of thousands of years, right? It's like from the beginning, people have been doing this because we we have energy in our hands and we can be a conduit for different energies. And, you know, we feel it when we're on the, in the, in nature, right. Connecting with the earth. Yeah. It's amazing stuff. Um, and it can be done from a distance. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, as a practitioner, I have a certain sort of mm, symbols and uh, mantras in a different 
way than the mantra meditation, but I practice um, connecting in with those symbols. And basically it kind of gets into quantum physics where there is really no space and time. <laughs> we are all connected intimately, <laughs> right? And so the energy through intention, my intention of say, sending it to you at a distance, you're up in San Francisco, I'm in LA. Um, I go into a meditative state in a way and just in, through intending and sort of meditating on these symbols um, allow the Reiki to go to you, which it's it's never really going anywhere. It just is. <laughs> well, it's almost like you're activating it in me. Even you just talking exactly. about it, I can feel a shift already happening, like yeah. kind of around my torso, heart area. There's sort of like an opening because okay. my body knows this energy mm -hmm. and it's almost like you're, it feels like you're activating it within me. Yeah. Yeah. yeah exactly. That's super cool. Yeah. Um, and so, so you teach classes in Reiki, how, like, what does it entail for someone to learn this? Um, basically it's an attunement and traditional, the history of where it came from. Um, again, like you said, it's actually thousands of tens of thousands of years old. It was practiced in ancient India, hands-on healing, um, Reiki itself, the system of Reiki is really it's a systematic approach to hands-on healing which is again universal and ages old um but Mikawa Sui a um, hundred years ago actually this year is the year that he was sort of um enlightened with this tool and so he systematized this tool into a, a set of techniques that we can use and share it with everybody so a student will come in and I'll, you know, explain what it is and we'll talk about energy and I actually talk about quantum physics and the dynamics and how really everything is energy and, you know, kind of go into that a little bit and then I talk about the history of Reiki and who Mikawa Sui was and the tradition and lineage of Reiki. And then a student, I will attune the student and so the attunement is Mm, it's like tuning an instrument, you know, you tune the instrument to a certain note. This is like we're tuning our bodies and our energy fields to the frequency of Reiki. And so that's what an attunement is. And so the student um, in the first level, they just have the attunement and learn some of the history and what it is and things like that. And the second level and, and beyond, you begin to learn the symbols and what they mean and the uses for them and things like that. So um, but they all some follow similar sort of there's an attunement at every level and the attunements when you once you've been attuned to Reiki the following attunements are more of like refinements of the energy of your own energy field so mm -hmm. that's the path it's very yeah. easy I love it <laughs> and and in this day and age with COVID and everything online are you doing um, these classes online or do you still do them in person I'm doing both. Back in 2020, I was doing them all online. Um, and last year, I started having small groups in person doing them. Um, so it's a little, it's a combination. Yeah. yeah. So you have a whole bunch of different offerings for, for clients. So you have these classes, both online and they're locally in LA. You work with people individually as well. What, what else are you, um, what else do you do? Because I, 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 I'm on your newsletter. So I get all kinds of like cool little announcements. What else do you do? 
So um, recently, and what seems to have like carried a lot of people through the last couple of years are uh, my group meditations and sound, sound baths, sound healings. That seems to be really popular recently. <laughs> um, so I do those a fair amount. And then um, teaching the classes and things like that. And then I also do intuitive readings. So, um, you know, tuning in to um, someone's higher self and someone's higher wisdom to help them um, bring to awareness techniques and things for them to heal. So medical intuition, Akashic record readings, things like that. So I do that online as well through Zoom. Yeah. And you're working on a medical intuitive program right now, right? I am. Yeah. I'm almost done. I'm like <laughs> 10 more hours left to do and then I'll be done. But it's fascinating. What it's, it's so insightful. I mean, we talk about, again, going to someone to like a doctor and so much of Western medicine is failing so many people, right? You know, it's so many people have long-term chronic illnesses that there are like they go to the doctor and the doctor's like, I don't know what that is, or here, take this and maybe that'll help. They don't, you know, a lot of times they don't really know. So what happens is with the medical intuition and it works for emotional and mental health, all of it, um, but I'll speak more to the physical. Um, you know, I'll look at what's happening in the physical body. I'll figure out, I'll look and see, and all again, all of this information is coming from the client's higher self. So it's not me reading, it's just getting information. I'm like the interpreter. <laughs> um, so I'll get, you know, what's happening, what's going on. And I'll also get um, permission level to release. Sometimes people have a lot of resistance to releasing their ailments, you know, um, if it's high, it's not a problem, but um, then we'll get recommendations on what the most efficient therapies are to release. So, you know, sometimes it's naturopathy, sometimes it's chiropractic, sometimes it's go see your heart surgeon, <laughs> right? It can be a myriad of things. And so, but we don't know until we actually get that information from the higher self. So then we'll I'll actually go into even more of like a subtle energy around the issue where I'll look at belief systems that we're holding in that issue in that physical body part. I'll look at life events that we're holding in that body issue, karmic decisions, things like that, that are running these energy um, energy programs that are running our physical and mental and emotional bodies unconsciously right in the background that we don't even know are there sometimes and so again like the physical ailment we'll get permission level to release the limiting belief or the limiting karmic decision and then we'll get recommendations again from the higher self on how to release what's the most efficient way so so cool very wow cool. it's making yeah. me want to book a session yeah <laughs> I'll be hitting you up on that at a, right. <laughs> at, a, at a day not in the not too distant. Not too far. Yeah. yeah. So, so Michelle, if people want to find you, how can they do that? Yeah, my website, urbansanctuaryla.com is the best way. Shoot me an email. There's you know, connect with me page on that. Um, that's really the easiest and best way to do that. Wonderful. Thank you so much for being a guest today. This has been great. Yeah, and I love fun. Yeah, that we've gotten this information out there. I always invite our audience to share this, you know, share it with your friends, click like, comment, all those things help to get the algorithms to get these, you know, things yeah. out there to more people, right. um, because there are so many magical and miraculous ways that we can engage in healing our bodies, our minds, our souls. And, um, 
you know, people just don't know that this stuff is out there. So um, thank you so much for helping me to spread the word. And um, thanks so much for tuning in today. And we'll see you next time. Thanks, Adriana. (laughs) Thank you for joining me for this episode of Kaleidoscope of Possibilities, Alternative Perspectives on Mental Health. This has been Dr. Adriana Popescu. If you enjoyed this episode, please like and subscribe and share with others. To find out more about me, my guests, and more, please visit my website at adrianapopescu.org. See you next time.